0: Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, The Talks Press. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of On the Microphone. I am beyond excited because I have an amazing and amazing guest with me today. I don't have a professional speaker with me today, and that's what makes it so so amazing, so much fun. We're going to have a really good time here today. I am joined by Ari Temkin. He is the radio host, uh, or he is a radio host. On the Dallas Cowboys Network. He's also a host for Sirius XM College Sports. He's worked in several markets around Texas and beyond. He's worked in San Antonio. He's worked in Austin, Dallas. Uh, just an amazing guy. Ari, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: I'm so happy to be on the show. You know, I, I also work with CLNS Media, which is the co- podcast company that's, you know, that's helping you out here with this podcast. And so I've heard many of these episodes. I've edited many of these episodes so I'm really excited to be on with you today Bridget. Uh,
0: yes, you are uh you're a rock star in my book bottom <laughs> line because of the help that you've given me with with the podcast no doubt.
1: Well, I appreciate that. You well, you're a rock star yourself so I that that, that means a lot to me. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. You know how I feel about you. <laughs> So today we are, as always, we always want people to walk away from the podcast feeling like they can do this. They can own the microphone. Now you don't necessarily get up and make the keynote speeches and things of that nature, but you speak, you speak for a living period. How do you make sure that you are always dynamic, that you're always drawing in your audience no matter what?
1: Yeah, you know it's such an interesting dynamic, you know the dichotomy between public speaking in a public forum versus being a radio host, where you're not able to use the cues of the audience to understand if people are picking things up, and you're kind of at the mercy of, you know what how people are reacting to you. And I think that's why social media has become such a huge piece to the radio puzzle because it gives you that instant feedback that maybe public speakers get versus being a radio host, but you know, I think it's it's very similar to a lot of the ways in which you'll, some of your guests talk about a hook, you know, and, and maybe even more so now for radio hosts because, you know, whereas if you're in a a public speaking environment, you're kind of at the mercy of the audience. They can't really go anywhere, you know. I mean, maybe you're at a place where there's multiple public speakers. They go to a different, you know, a, a, a different speaker. But on radio, they're constantly have the ability to go to a different channel and, you know, not just that, but to turn on their music, to listen to a podcast. So, you know, you have to continually draw the audience in by constantly teasing forward, promoting what's coming up. But, you know, the tease is the biggest thing. It's the hook. It's, hey, coming up in 10 minutes, I'm going to tell you why this. Or I've got a, I've got a really big, I've got a great theory on this. Something that you believe your audience will be interested in and it's you have to tease it in a way that's ambiguous enough that will will keep them wanting to listen to your show to get to the tease that you provided them. And that's I mean, that is the biggest thing in my world is teasing forward and then paying off on those teases, but making sure that you're hooking the audience through what you're teasing um as it pertains to the content.
0: I never thought about it that way, teasing forward. That's is is that radio talk? Yes. Or...
1: Yes, definitely radio talk for sure.
0: Because we have to do that as professional speakers. And I know you said they can't go anywhere. Oftentimes, if we're doing a webinar, if we're doing a keynote, they can't go anywhere. Physically, they cannot go anywhere. Good point. But mentally, oh, they could change that channel. Trust and believe, <laughs> Ari. They will tune out, they will pick up a phone, okay? <laughs> Start checking social media. So and we listeners you've been there right you've been there where you're questioning whether the audience is paying attention to you or paying attention to what's going on in their heads so our takeaway is that constant teasing forward factor if you will where you constantly have people think people thinking ooh what's next ooh when is that coming ooh when is he going to cover that ooh i'd better pay attention and get away from that phone do you ever have challenges with teasing forward aspect or just speaking period and keeping the audience tuned in and if you do have any challenges like what are they and how do you overcome them
1: yeah that's a great question um so I mean the challenge is to always remember to do that I mean you host a three-hour talk show and you know at times at times you know that can escape you you know it's funny because I I do some consulting work too. And so like when I listen to somebody else, man, I'm the best radio host because I, I can hear everything, you know, that they should be doing. You know, at the same time, it's like these are things that I'm constantly doing, you know, even though I know I shouldn't be doing them, you know, I, it's, I still break my own rules and we all do that because you kind of get into it and you forget some of these things that you need to do. And so that's when you have to go back and be like, okay, make sure I, I understand when I get into a segment. I'm teasing forward so I'm keeping them there and then I'm 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 making sure that I have a a interesting narrative or viewpoint that I'm I'm discussing and then I'm I'm constantly sort of un you know I'm trying to unravel the the layers of it I'm unpeeling the onion a little bit I'm getting to the different layers of it and I'm also the other thing I have to be conscientious of is switching topics and not being you know too too far gone on one specific topic it's keeping people engaged by okay, I'm talking about this, and I'm transitioning to talk about this, and you know maybe those two tie together, maybe they don't, but yeah, I mean there, you have to be conscientious, you know, of, of attention spans because you know you you in your world you're, you're conscientious of people grabbing their phones. In my world, I'm assuming they're on their phones, so it's like I'm trying to say enough things that get them engaged right back to what I'm talking about because I know that they're on their phones or they're doing something else. They may not be fully engaged in paying attention to what I'm doing, so it's constantly, you know, when I'm planning a topic or a a segment, I ask myself, "What's the what?" And actually, I got this working with Colin Coward, um, who's really good at this. What's the what? Okay, I'm if if on today's show, I'm reacting to the the games over the weekend. You know, I'm on Big 12 Radio on Sirius XM Channel 375. We're talking about all the Big 12 games from Saturday's slate. So there's, you know, there's a bunch of games to talk about. My so what's the what what's what's I'm not just going to react to the game. You can get that anywhere. You can read a newspaper. You you can literally have that. What are the interesting storylines, subplots, narratives from the game that are big takeaways? Those that's the root of what I have to get to on an, on an every uh, segment basis. And in some cases, multiple times a segment with different topics. So it's it's not just oh, I'm going to talk about this game. It's. What's, what, what's within the game that people are going to find compelling or interesting? What's the big story or takeaway? What's the angle on it that people aren't thinking about? Um, you know, those are the things that I'm constantly needing to be thinking about when I'm, you know, when I'm, when I'm programming a show on a daily basis. And that's, you know, it, it becomes more and more difficult the longer you get into a week because you've been talking about some of, some of these, you know, same games or same storylines. It's like, okay, what part of the onion have I not uncovered yet? What, what, what part of the onion have I not peeled, unpeeled yet?
0: So it's always about making it audience-centric. It's always about thinking, how will the audience benefit from this? How do I make sure the audience is getting value from this presentation? And even if you know they've heard about this topic before they are experts in the field it's back to what you were saying about peeling that onion and thinking about what perspective what what's compelling about this that they may not have heard what perspective have they not seen on this and making sure that you're 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 constantly giving them something new and fresh and and don't stress yourself too much about trying to tell them something maybe that they have not heard let me and let me put it this way: You see, totally. they haven't heard. That's a it great from point, you. by the way. Yes, they haven't heard your take on it. So it's not about you trying to reinvent a concept. If two plus two is four, always has been, always will be, you talk to them about how you get to, you know what, I get to four by taking 60 and subtracting 56, right? So it's not about trying to reinvent a wheel, right? Uh-huh. That was sexy and jazzy. That's the bridget way. So it's don't, don't kill yourself with trying to reinvent something or create something new that you know is not even possible, but give them your take on it. And then always endeavor to have the audience in a position where they're saying, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And not wanting to change the channel on you. Yeah.
1: Totally. It's, it'd be like, what if you were show up to McDonald's one day and you said, I want a hamburger. And they're like, we don't have hamburgers anymore. Huh? What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean that to your point, it's not, you know, it, it, it's not the McDonald's, you know, They decided we're gonna we're gonna sell pizza today. It's it's how are they packaging the burger and and it's the same thing with topics. Like nobody's gonna go to a talk show on a Monday and not have you you know expect you to not be talking about the games. So it's not like let's talk about something else because you expect me to talk about the games or people have heard about the games. It's what is the what's the perspective and the perception that you're bringing to that game, and then how are you gonna challenge people's beliefs, their thoughts, how are you gonna make them think? I mean these are. These are things that you have to ask yourself when you're putting together a presentation. How am I going to, to, to repackage? Cause it's packaging, you know, in, in a radio, we're really good at repackaging. We, we could take one topic and repackage it in four or five different ways because now we're doing a stock up, stock down segment. And so it's the same thing we've been talking about, but we're talking about who's, you know, what team or player stock is up and what players or team of stock is down. And, and you really have to understand, I mean, the audience, I know that's a common theme for you that you've talked about on this show. I mean, same here. You want, you, you have to know who you're speaking to. So in radio, it's who's my core audience. And, and you, you will, in some ways, for radio, you have to literally picture that person. In when you're, you're in person, you can obviously picture those people who are in your audience, but when you're in radio, you're, you're just, either talking to yourself or to a, a co-host, so you literally have to, like, I actually at times have put up, like, Google image of the person that I believe my audience to be based on the audience profile, how old they are, what kind of money they make, what kind of car they drive. The, the more in-depth you can be on the audience member that you're talking to, the better you are understanding what their wants and beliefs are, and then therefore how to cater your content to fit them and what they want and believe and 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 challenging those beliefs and all that kind of stuff.
0: I know you're super, super busy. I mean, we were talking before we went uh, live, if you will, or before we started our recording about how you were up late last night and you're doing this show and you're producing this and so on and so forth. And, and so I know sometimes you're short on time and then you've got your personal life too. Uh, are there times when you show up For a presentation, and I'm putting presentation in quotation marks because your presentations are a little different and so on. Are there times when you show up where you did not get a chance to fully prepare, and what do you do?
1: That's a great question. So the short answer is no. Now, fully prepared is a a spectrum. So, I mean – Am I ever fully prepared? I probably would go into every show that I do on a daily basis and say I could have prepared more. Um, but that's just, to me, the nature of the beast. You can never prepare enough in terms of having interesting topics because you want to leave topics on the table. Like that's – I go into a show like I'd like – if I have five or six topics that are really interesting and I only get to three or four of them in a three-hour show and I've got guests and other things to get to, like that's, that's fine by me. And so the percentage of times where that happens – I mean, it, it changes and fluctuates, but yeah, I mean, part of what I'm drawing on in my, you know, in my sports world is the, the years of experience that I have in watching sports and especially teams and, and you know, like college football is a good example of this. You know, like I've, I've, I've now, I, you, know, you watch a ton of college football games. So over the course of the time that you're watching those games, you're building up this, you know, knowledge base of these teams. So, so much of what I do and prepare for shows is based on the games that I'm watching and have watched over the course of a season or over multiple seasons. So I have a pretty good idea of who this starting quarterback is or who this backup quarterback is or who these receivers are and their stories and narratives. So, you know, I'm certainly always looking for interesting new angles, but so much of what I'm drawing on are experiences just from the the work that I've put in over time of watching all these games, you know, and that's, it might have been time wasted when I was a kid, but now it's certainly being put to good use. <laughs> All the games I watched. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, right. Just like me in elementary school, I was told I talked too much in class. Uh huh. So I just went on to become a professional speaker. How do you like those apples?
1: <laughs> I was just getting ready for school. I was just getting ready for what I was going to do in my, in my real world. So fail <laughs> me in social studies, but at least I, <laughs> at least I know I'm a good public speaker. <laughs>
0: y'all were tripping talking about talks too much and all of the teacher comments tripping (laughs) straight tripping
1: like that's a bad thing come on
0: (laughs) (laughs) i know i know it's because i was disturbing other students i get it that was the problem with it now the 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 bottom line is you want to show up as prepared as possible period, and always strive to give the audience the best experience that you can give them. You work with a lot of different people in this role. Tell me, what is it the absolute best speakers do to give audiences the absolute best experience possible? What do you think they do? What are some tricks and tips you've seen?
1: So one of the things in radio that's really important is when you have two hosts, co-hosts, rapport between the hosts is so important chemistry, you know, because because at the end of the day, radio and maybe this is a maybe maybe differentiator between, you know, radio and public speaking. But and, and it's the co-host dynamic. That's the difference. But I don't think that what I'm about to touch on is a difference between public speaking and radio. I just think maybe the co-host dynamic is. But it, it's 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 a conversation. You know, it, it needs to be presented as a conversation. So it's more engaging that way. And so when you have two hosts that know each other they can have a a more engaging and better discussion because I know I know the background of this guy I'm working with, and I know his wants and needs, and I know you know what his personality's like, and so I know where I can go with him, I know where I can't go with him, I know where I can make fun of him a little bit or rib him a little bit i he knows where he can do that for me and and like that all creates a more engaging show that is all part of the ultimate process of people wanting to hear what you have to say and then be a part of that and i I mean, it's, it's again, more difficult when you're on stage by yourself to try to create that rapport with a co-host because you don't have one. But in this case, I, I would say the same principle reigns where it's like the co-host has to be the audience. You know, you're using the audience, your co-host here. And so you have to understand again, who you're talking to, what their wants and needs are, you know, what, 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 what ticks them, what, you know, and, and it's all about engagement. It's all about creating hooks in content or things that you say that are going to spur engagement from the audience. So it, it's trying to get them to engage by, you know, by t- by answering a question, raising a hand, doing something that, hey, are you listening? And are you interested in what I'm saying? And you don't want to always do that, but you want to do that through different points of the conversation so that you know that they're listening. And, you know, it, it's not a test so much as it is sort of reinforcing the main points that you've hit on and making sure that they understand those main points because you want to make sure that they walk away from the presentation knowing you know that repetition. Great comedians do that. Chris Rock's one of my favorite comedians. He does it all the time. Where it's like he'll he'll say something, he'll hit you with the point. He'll hit you over the head with the point, and then he'll he'll give you an example, and then he'll hit you over the head with the point again. And he'll repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, and then and then another and then and then he'll give you an example of it, and then back to the point again. So it's like after he's hit the joke for four minutes you have no doubt in your mind what the point is that he's trying to say. He's giving you a bunch of examples of it, but ultimately like he's just ramming home that main point. And I think that's a a huge piece to it too, is the repetition of the points without making it sound repetitive.
0: And, and, and see, I, I, and I want to let the listeners know, don't even stress too much about the repetitive nature of your presentation because repetition is just how we learn and like you were saying, with Chris Rock, with comedians, they will constantly repeat a core message or a, a, a central theme because that's what they're wanting you to walk out of there with. So don't don't worry about, yeah, that's a great oh, point. my goodness, I, I, I sound like a broken record. But we have to hear something over and over and over again for it to sink in. And I understand it. Information sinks in even more if they hear it, then they talk about it, then they write about it, then they read about it, if they're able to do all of that. So in your presentation, talk about it and keep talking about it. Tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, then tell them what you told them. And then like you were saying with the engagement piece, have them answer questions. So have them talk about that central theme, have them do a one minute paper and write about that central theme. If you have a handout or you have a website you can direct them to, have them read about that central theme. But the repetition, you're spot on with that, Ari. That is how your message is going to sink in with everybody. If they hear it, see it, read it, talk about it constantly in your session.
1: Right. I mean, it. It. the idea, and I think the way you talk about it is such a great way to discuss, which is sometimes if you're going over your presentation, you're thinking, oh, I, I'm, I'm I'm saying this too much. I'm too repetitive. It's like what you need to do is take out – what's the core of what you're trying to say? What's your thesis statement? Okay, take that out and say that 15 times. But reinforce it with different examples or points around that thesis, but keep reinforcing the thesis. If you feel like you're being too repetitive – then make sure you you've correctly identified what the thesis is of what you're trying to say and know that you can never be too repetitive on that thesis. You might be too repetitive on the stories within the thesis or the example of the thesis, but the thesis itself, you can never be too repetitive on it because that's the profound point. I'm here to tell you this and you should, you should really listen to me because of this. And you know, I, you know, you really have to get into like great comedians do this. Great public speakers do this. Like, Are you the kind of person that does this, this, and that? And if you, if you have hit on an audience that has a bunch of people that have done that or do that, then you're, you're going to get them because they're like, yeah, I do that. Absolutely. I want to hear this. That's what makes great, great observational humor is putting yourself in a situation because you've been in that situation before. So you find the humor in it from the comedian.
0: A couple of things. I love how you talked about. Uh, you'll hear great presenters, great comedians who will say things like, have you ever seen this? Have you ever been in this position? So on and so forth. Observational humor. You want to use the word you a minimum of four times in your opening message. Mm-hmm. You are going to love this presentation. You have probably been in a situation where you couldn't sleep at night, where you were stressed about this, where you were feeling this way. Well, by the time we're done with this presentation, you're going to know the number one reason stress crops up in your life and you're, you're going to know this, this, and this. By the time we're done, you're going to know how to get rid of the things that stress you out in life and so on and so forth. But whatever. I'm pretending I'm doing a presentation. Totally. Whatever, end,
1: value, whatever, <laughs> <laughs> whatever value, whatever, right. whatever value you're bringing to the table. Totally.
0: Right. And you're
1: right about using the the U word, which is something mm-hmm. I'd never thought about, but it's all about the audience. It's yes. all about the audience. So make it all about the audience. And by using a pronoun like you, you, you are forcing the audience to identify themselves within that situation. So you're right. It's, it's something I've always done, but never thought about the importance of doing.
0: Yeah. And you've used the example of comedians and just how they craft their stories and set up their shows and their What's your stance on using humor in your presentation. Since we, since we've talked a little bit about comedians,
1: I think you need to, um, I mean, and I'm curious for your thoughts on this because in radio, you definitely need to, you know, and, and I'm the type of person to where I, I, I think I'm funny, but I'm probably funnier playing off of somebody else. So, you know, it's really difficult to force funny and you don't want to force funny. So you have to sort of figure out ways, either you're quick witted and you naturally have it. And so you can naturally find the humor or you, you figure out ways to bring out the humor by engaging the audience but yeah I, I'm you humor is going to draw on your audience maybe more than anything else. If you get your audience to laugh, then you're gonna get an engaged audience. you know there, I think we've touched on a few things in which you'll you'll create an engagement within your audience. Maybe the strongest one or the, the path of least resistance to doing that is is through humor is through finding the funny and again, it's not don't force it. there's a balance there between genuine funny or like, Coming off as trying to be funny and not because that could be, that could be cringe worthy.
0: Finding the funny, I like that. I love alliteration, so I'm going to find some kind of way to make a bumper sticker or a T-shirt or something out of that one.
1: And that's so, yeah. one that you have to use. That's one where I'm at such a disadvantage in radio because I can't hear the audience laughing. You know, if you're if you're in a situation where you're speaking publicly, you can hear the audience laughing, and that is going to drive you and encourage you more so than anything else. And that's in radio. It's like you just have to assume that the audience finds certain things funny and hope that they do. And and it's funny because sometimes you won't even think something's funny and it'll come off as funny because the way you say it and you'll get like somebody texting you a friend like that was really funny. And it's like, I didn't think of that, but it's just such a disadvantage to not humor more than anything else to not have that immediate feedback. What is what I'm doing actually funny? Or is this cringeworthy and you're you're turning the station?
0: (laughs) Here are my two cents. I agree. If you can bring in some sort of levity, some sort of lightheartedness, something that's going to bring a chuckle a smile to people's faces you can't you can't lose But here's my thought on uh, bringing in humor into the presentation. You want to be careful about the timing just as comedians, they are particular about the timing with bringing in different kinds of content. You don't necessarily want to start a presentation with a joke because a lot of times, even if it may be a relatively good joke, it will flop because people came to get value from you. So if you make sure you give them some value, Try to give them value early on and giving them value means giving them what they came for, whatever that question mark is, whatever that what, like you talked about early on, Ari, whatever that what? what is, give them an answer to that, solve a mystery early on in the presentation And then once you do that, they start to, quote, unquote, feel you. And when your audience is feeling you, they will laugh at your jokes, even if they're lame. But because they've drawn a connection to you, they're like, okay, yeah, he's here to give me some real info. She's here to put me in a better position than I was in before I got to this presentation. They'll laugh at anything that you say once you've shown that you're going to bring them some value. And then I love what you said in terms of deciding what is your... What is your approach to humor? Will it be playing off of someone else? Or I like using self-deprecating humor for me. I I can always find something to crack a joke on about myself, and I'm fine with it. I have enough self-esteem and self-confidence that I'm okay with making fun of myself.
1: And self-deprecation is the best kind of humor because it's easy. And when you're on stage, like you're – your flaws are out there for everybody to see. So it's like the things that the things that they are thinking about you, you know are flaws about yourself. So it's like, let's just put it all on the table there, you know? I mean it, it really is a lighthearted and easy way to get people engaged. I, I think, you know, that that point about create value and then you know, and then once you have them in the palm of your hands, they'll laugh at anything. Like laughter and jokes, a lot sometimes it's the words you say and how you say them, but a lot of times it's more of just the momentum of the conversation. I'm engaged with this person, so like I'm more likely to find what they say funny. This happens all the time in, in in press conferences with with sports figures. They're not naturally funny people, but sometimes even if in the middle of a press conference, if they say even a slight joke, they'll have the, they'll have the media members laughing hysterically because of the context of I'm hanging on your words, I'm interested in what you have to say, and you said something even kind of funny, and just that context makes it funnier. And so. Yeah, there is an element of you don't even have to really be funny. Once you've engaged the audience, even if it's slight funny and they're caring about what you have to say, they're going to laugh and engage with it in a way that if they, if you don't create that value off the top, you're, they're not, it's not going to happen that way.
0: Totally. And for those of you who feel like, you know, I I, I can't do the self-deprecating type of humor. I, that's just not me. And I can't play off of someone else. How about this? Find something in your industry or something related to the topic on which you are presenting and find the absurdity of it and yes. and play off of that. Right. Find some ridiculous court ruling or some ridiculous piece of research or some ridiculous opinion piece. and. And just say, you know, did you read this foolishness? So now the butt of the joke becomes this research or this article or this whatever, this this uh, court ruling. So if you don't feel comfortable with making a joke out of yourself or you don't have a co-presenter where the two of you can bounce off of each other, then just find content that's relative to your industry or relative to your topic and just riff off of that
1: great point and i i mean i do this all the time when i'm looking for for topics or segments to kill fark.com f-a-r-k.com like so many off the wall news stories they just kind of aggregate all these crazy news stories that like sometimes like that's just the best content and it's stuff where you don't even have to make the jokes the jokes write themselves um and you know it's just it's just, I mean, you can go check it out, you know, time and again, it might, you might get an idea of what could be a joke based on a news story, funny anecdote, and then the other thing, too, is, you know, the industry, depending on what industry you're in, you know, everybody's going to have the same sort of inside jokes about the industry, and so don't be afraid to sort of bring those to the forefront, that's a great point, you know, not just off the, you know, off the wall news stories, but your industry at large. What are some of the pain points of the industry? What are some of the things that inside jokes that you have with coworkers about the industry? Like that stuff that you definitely can can leverage as jokes because it's the comedian observational humor thing. It's a situation the comedian presents to you that I've been in before, so I can relate to that. And that that's a very engaging way to uh, to make the audience laugh.
0: Totally, totally. So Ari, what is a final point that you want to share with our listeners? If they hear nothing else from this conversation, what is an important takeaway you have?
1: I talk into a microphone every day for three hours, and yet the idea of talking in front of people is is frightening to me. Even though I might be naturally good at it because of the comfortability I have behind a microphone – it's a completely different dynamic, you know, and and that's crazy to me that it's like I have this really high comfort level of being behind a microphone and owning that microphone, but you get me in a different context and I'm I'm just like everybody else where it's like I'm scared, I'm frightened, are the, is the audience going to like me? And so I, I say all that to say like it doesn't matter how much experience you have or how little experience you have, we're all really starting at square one even even if we have a comfort level behind a microphone and it's the only thing that will get you more and more comfortable owning the microphone is repetition and doing it over again and learning about yourself and figuring out things about yourself and, you know, and, and having people give you feedback on it. Like that's the only way to get better at it. And I know I've heard other speakers you've had on before talk about the importance of becoming comfortable, being uncomfortable. That's when we truly learn about ourselves. That's where true growth happens. And you know, that's, that's what I would encourage everybody out there to, that's listening to this to understand about this is it, I have a ton of experience owning a microphone and yet I'm, I'm the same as everybody else when it comes to speaking in front of people. And that's a, it's a great way to challenge myself because I'm uncomfortable with it. And that's, that's okay because there's great growth in that. There's great human growth in that.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. I even had to jot down, we are all starting at square one because It's about deciding to move from that first square and move into other squares where you're getting better, where you're constantly making everything you say a presentation, even if you're at the grocery store, even if you're at the post office, if you're at the bank. It doesn't matter where you are. Anytime you have a conversation with someone. You want to hook them. You want to make sure they're leaning in and listening. You want to make sure they're walking away and and that you've made a memorable impression on them. I can't tell you how many times I run into people, and I don't necessarily remember them, but they remember me, and then they get mad because I don't remember them. Well, you didn't make yourself memorable.
1: (laughs) You should be like the rest of us and just pretend like you know who they are.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Oh. Yeah. Yes.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. I yes, definitely. At the party, yeah. At the with the people, totally. Yeah. And then you you do like the honey, can you ask him what his name is cuz can you go introduce yourself cuz I don't remember who he is?
0: <laughs> I am going to start doing that. I just I I uh,
1: You're too I, genuine. I, I,
0: Usually I just don't feel like I can pull it off. I think they'll see straight through me. If I, I'm just not good. I just, I'm I'm going to work on that already.
1: No, you don't need to. I need to work on being you. I need to be more like you. You don't need to be more like me. I'm the problem with society. You're, you're the fix. I'm the fix. I'm the solution. You're the fix. Yes. Bridget is the solution. You're the solution here. It's, I, I'm, I feel bad that I don't remember somebody. You're like, hey, I mean, give me a reason to remember you. Don't just be a random guy. Be a person that's memorable for this or that or the other. So, yeah, I'm the problem here. You're the solution.
0: <laughs> and that's it. Give people a reason, a good reason, to yeah. remember you with your presentations every single time you get an opportunity to get in front of an audience. One person, 100, 1,000, it doesn't matter. Give them a reason to remember you. All right. You're awesome. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Bridget. You're awesome. I appreciate your, I appreciate you having me on.
0: Absolutely. Everybody, thank you for tuning into this episode of Own the Microphone. I will catch you next time.